Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Good to have you with us at Fantasy Sports Daily. Kyle Alfred, Gray Flowers, powered by FantasyGuru.com. I am certain many of you have experienced what I'm experiencing today. Take a day off, you come back, and holy cow, there's a lot to talk about. So we've got a load to get to over the next hour. And uh, Ray, you will be uh, my compatriot in these uh, travels with uh, tons to get to, baseball, basketball, and even a little football today. I appreciate it, Kyle. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Uh, it's always nice to settle into the groove. Uh, yesterday, the start of the show yesterday, I didn't hit the audio sounder. Uh, I started out hot, except it was it was just a mess, Kyle. So uh, hopefully we'll do a little bit better. It actually went fine yesterday. I made a joke about it and all that. But yeah, I apparently missed you more than I thought I would, Kyle. Well, the, for those who don't know, Ray runs the tech and does the analysis on the show. All I do is kind of tee him up. That's so, so he's got the tougher job. So when I'm not here... He is now teeing up, analyzing, and working the tech, which, you know, there, there was a coin toss. Who wants the tech? I am so glad I lost that one. <laughs> so. All right. So, and I am glad you didn't. Didn't. didn't <laughs> no, whatever. You're much better at this uh, than I think I would be, Ray. Uh, great to have everybody with us. Uh, big thanks to Ray and Patio Joe yesterday. For keeping things rolling here at FSD. What do we got for today? Why is it so busy? Well, I am glad that you asked. Um, spring training. It's here because now we're getting reports. We got guys showing up who look healthy, who've lost weight, who've changed their swing. We have one of the best pitchers in baseball thinking about a knuckleball. Like how awesome would that be <laughs> if you could pull it off? Uh, so we will get you up to date on all that news, including news um, about Walker Bueller. Uh, will we see him or will we not see him in spring training? And what does that mean? Uh, this works as a, a helpful reminder. Uh, the idea of trusting delayed spring trainings or trusting guys who aren't totally up to speed can be a dangerous route on draft days. So Ray and I will talk about that. Latest on Blake Snell. It's not really a whole lot, but where might he be going? Uh, the Angels are in the news. Shohei Atani leaves, but they still have Mike Trout, at least for now. Our uh, team preview, we'll take a look at the Reds. Our third base uh, focus will be, or I should say, our shortstop focus. That's my screw-up. See, when the tech is involved, Ray, I screw it up. Shortstop focus is on surprise in 2023. We'll talk BABIP. We'll talk hoops. We'll talk NFL. Is there anything I'm missing, Ray? Uh, no. I mean, I guess we could talk or, MMA or something if you want to get nuts. No, nah, I don't. Okay. I saw Michael Chandler... Uh, called out Connor McDavid at Monday Night Raw last night. So that's all you're going to get on the UFC and MMA. So I just saw that headline. Justin, who's, who's going to join us for basketball, he may be able to help us with that MMA news. Uh, great to have everybody on board. Uh, we got a lot of things coming your way, so it's an excellent day to kind of hang in, listen for the next 50, 60 minutes, whatever it may be, and get up to date on all that you need to know. Before we dive into all this busyness, let us dive into all the specials. Uh, Ray is good at getting all this stuff out. Uh, we still got that super promo code, which can be applied to the Fantasy Guru Baseball Draft Guide, as well as the season-long coverage. Mm -hmm. Ray, tell us about that and more that we got for the folks. Yeah, as uh, Jeff Mann said on his Elite Sports Show yesterday, which, by the way, is three hours now, three to six, extra hour. Uh, as he said yesterday, he doesn't even know when we're changing the price point. So everyone should be aware of that. It's the early bird pricing for baseball. It's not a sales pitch. The price point will go up at some point. It'll happen one night in the middle of the night, and all of us will be like, oh, it's now more money. So it's $50 right now. But if you use the promo code FSD20, FSD20, it drops it to $40. So it's a, it's a great value right now. Gets the entire season of coverage, all the articles, Discord access, the rankings updates each month, all of that. And then we also have the NBA all-in package. Uh, right now, it's $75. It's a great value because you get NBA, NHL, college basketball, PGA, MMA, soccer, and racing. You get all of it for $75. So check that out over at the site, and you can always use the code again, promo FSD20. That's a good discount code when you're signing up. Stick it in there. See if it works. Another piece of news, and I'm guessing you talked about this yesterday. Um, Ray mentions the SiriusXM show with Jeff, 3 to 6 Eastern. Ray, we should also make mention for those who might have missed it yesterday or haven't caught the news on Twitter. 
Uh, you and the upcoming Justin Finsterman are also hanging out nightly on SiriusXM, right? We are, yeah. Uh, it's, it was a lot of fun. It's, it's the game time show. So basically what we've got is we've got a scenario where from 8 to 10 Eastern, Monday through Friday, Justin and I will be on SiriusXM, and it's kind of, you know, it's Elite Sports Game Time is the name of the show, I guess I should throw out there. Elite Sports Game Time, Monday through Thursday, 8 to 10 Eastern Time. Uh, we'll be updating things in real time. Uh, we'll be following the action. Last night, there was only a couple of hockey games, rough start, because there was no basketball going, no baseball going, with <laughs> hockey games, but we threw to some audio, uh, and then there's a power play goal scored about 15 seconds later, so it was beautiful. Uh, so we'll have audio from the end game. We'll talk about odds and, and wagering and you know, lines and all that kind of stuff, as well as updating the fantasy outlook. So that's Monday through Thursday from 8 to 10. So uh, Guru, uh, Fantasy Guru, has now got five hours uh, on Sirius in the afternoon. We really like it. Love it. Love it. Um, you mentioned the NBA not in action last night, not in action tonight, not in action Wednesday either. So you're going to have a lot of hockey over the next two nights, Ray. So enjoy. We, we do get more evening hockey action tonight, though. So there'll be a lot more to, to whip around to over on SiriusXM. But do check it out. Uh, great to hear both uh, Ray and Justin. And again, we're going to hear from both those guys coming up in about 40 minutes or so. Let's uh, delve in to the uh, baseball. Because, Ray, there's a lot of it. Uh, starting with the news out of Dodgers camp. And I, to me, I don't want to say it's a surprise, but I was a little surprised by this, Ray, the fact that Dave Roberts, who seems to be breaking news like every week, Dave Roberts is a great guy to go to if you're looking for news on the Dodgers. Obviously, it's a team with star power. People care about these guys. But he said, Ray, Walker Bueller, we're not going to see him in spring camp. Um, you know, it's going to be side sessions. It's going to be on backfields. It's going to be in, you know, simulated minor league games. But we're not going to see him in spring training. Now, the old adage is, who cares? Spring training doesn't matter. Does this matter to you? It, it kind of, I, it's not that they're hiding anything or that Bueller's hurt. It, what they're really doing, Ray, is they're going to take it exceedingly slow. And they want to make sure when he's back, he's back, I guess is the plan. And mm -hmm. I, I would say this, Ray, by looking at Bueller, Ray, 120 innings? I mean, is that like a max for this year? Yeah, every every day I update the rankings, Walker Bueller is going down, down, down. It's, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I there, We haven't heard setback. I've never seen the, the word setback yeah. ever mentioned, okay? But this is shades of Aaron Rodgers to the extreme. Because remember, Aaron Rodgers is going to return at the end of the season. Then the season's over, and Aaron Rodgers admits, I can't run. Okay. Walker Buehler was going to pitch at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. He was going to come back and pitch down the stretch and into the playoffs. He didn't. He had this surgery in August of 2022. This is the longest recovery in the history of baseball if there's been no setbacks <laughs> from Tommy John surgery since, like, it was invented. So I don't know. I mean, I guess when you're the Dodgers and you have the ability to, you just slow play yeah. the hell out of this. But, you know, normal, you know, again, Kyle, not to August of last year, August of 2022. This is taking forever. This is going to be, what, 22 months, 20 months before we see him on the hill? Normally it's 10 to 12, maybe 14 if things go a little crazy. So, a were they lying last year? Was he really even an option to pitch in the playoffs? This decision that they're making now throws that into question. I, I think it is more because this is the Dodgers. They can live this way. They can plan this way. And, and Ray, we've seen it with some of the signings. I mean, their intention is, in effect, Ray, I bet by the end of this year, they will have eight pitchers who have made at least 15 starts. I, I, I think, and they have no problem with that. Which most teams, right, you'd say, oh, you're going to have at least eight guys taking 15 starts, and they would tell you, we are not making the playoffs then. That means our aces are getting hurt. Mm -hmm. That means we're bringing up guys from the minor leagues. For the Dodgers, right, from everything they've done and told us, that is the plan. Their plan is not to get 25 starts out of Tyler Glass now. I mean, they're, I guess, because that won't happen. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're being realistic about it. We're hoping yeah. for 20. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it makes it so difficult to draft these guys right now. You could take the side and say, well, everybody in baseball mm -hmm. is a joke to get 20 stars. Like, you know, like if you really said it, I could blindly throw a dart and I may hit a pitcher with 20 starts. I may not. I mean, who knows? Um, even Garrett Cole, you know, we think he's great for 32 starts until this year happens, I guess. But with the Dodgers, Ray, like you go up and down the line, these are big names. These are guys we've heard of. The team's supposed to be 110 wins, you know, mm -hmm. one of the greatest we've ever seen. What's funny is you look at this pitching staff right now, Ray, and the safest guy to draft is a guy we have never seen pitch in Major League Baseball. Good it's story. Yamamoto. These mm -hmm. other guys, Ray, and I'm not saying Glasnow is not good or Bueller. 
but I don't want to draft him, right? I mean, Yamamoto's the only guy I look at and say, I think he can be good, and I think he can get you 25 starts. The rest of these guys, it may be anywhere between three and 20 starts this year. Yeah, they've got Michael Stone, I mean, Gavin Stone and Michael Grove kind of down in the minors. Those are the next guys that will likely step up if there's a requirement there. On the veteran side of things, they obviously have Clayton Kershaw coming back from injury. We're not going to see him until the second half. They have Tony Gonsolin coming back from injury. He's not expected to pitch this year. They have Dustin May coming back from another surgery. He's expected to pitch at some point. Now we're talking about Walker Bueller. Like this team, they have an all-star. Paxton, right? <laughs> James Paxton's supposed to be in the rotation. Um, they have an all-star group of pitchers that aren't going to be available when the season starts. That's the crazy depth that they actually have. If these guys can get and stay healthy. If none of them can, it's just a collection of players. You know, you're playing a video game. It doesn't matter. But it's it's wild, and I agree with your statement. It is wild to think a guy who has never thrown a big league pitch is the most stable guy to draft from a team in their pitching rotation. I think Yamamoto is that. Uh, we'll see if it works. And I, you know, I, I don't. You don't like it. I don't think I don't like it. I don't like this. You know, this. I don't like this as a plan. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, the Dodgers are planning to have eight or nine guys throw 16. I don't like that. And maybe I'm old school and I, you know, I'm the days of Rick Russell and, and you know, <laughs> Scott Gerelts. I don't know. But, you know, it's like the idea that we don't even really, we have a pitching staff, but we don't have starters. We just have a pitching staff. Yeah. It's just a new way to do it. And the Dodgers are certainly trying it in a pretty extreme fashion. And, and my guess is, Ray, if the Dodgers have success and you'd have to probably bet on them, everybody in Vegas is, other teams will embrace this. You know, that's how we see it in baseball. There's a lot of followers um and 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 really la is just kind of extending the idea of what tampa has done for numerous years the difference is tampa was kind of doing it because they're cheap you know the dodgers are not cheap (laughs) but they're choosing to go this route so everybody's going to be going this route the next five years and it makes it a headache to draft i mean pitching is just really tough to figure out um yeah you can say it comes down to health but nowadays it doesn't even matter if you're healthy you get skipped it doesn't even matter if you're healthy you go five innings it doesn't even matter if you're healthy, you go 85 pitches. Yep. So like it, it, health is not, it helps an issue, but decision-making, game plans, strategies, those are really intruding on pitching. And it is worth reminding this Bueller news of not seeing him in spring training. At least that's the plan. So you're kind of drafting blindly there, Ray. You're drafting mm-hmm. on hope. And mm-hmm. there will be other guys in the next month, five weeks, where, oh, there's nothing to worry about here. We're just taking it slow. Oh, he's got a bit of a calf issue. He's going to be fine. Like there, Corey Seager, um, you know, he had the abdominal surgery. He's back and cleared for physical activity. He's still not promising opening day, you know, which I'm just pointing that out with Seager. But there will be a lot of these guys, Ray, that you're sitting there in late March and you're drafting. And we like to think, oh, the later you draft, the better spot you're in. There, there will be guys that you will not have seen much. You'll be trusting reports. You'll be trusting team um, you know, press conferences about a player, the player saying, oh, I feel good. I'm going to be good to go come March 28th. Like that's going to be going on a lot. And it's fine to draft those guys. But Ray, you need to remind yourself, you can't draft too many of these guys. You can't have four Walker Buehlers on your team going into the season. Yeah, you can't. And it, it's always about, and, and it's always tough because people ask the one-off questions, right? And it's like, well, yeah, you know, would I draft, you know, as an example, would I draft Tyler Glasnow as 50th overall player like his ADP is? No way in hell. No possible way am I doing that because he can't throw 125 innings in the big leagues. Am I going to be taking guys that throw 125 innings? Yeah. Are you going to be doing it? Yeah. Are we going to be taking these guys in the 14th round? Yeah. Okay. But again, it's the middle part of the draft. Mm-hmm. But to Kyle's point that he always brings up when we talk about this, this subject, you've got to keep going. right? I think the mistake people make is they take Garrett Cole to start and then they just say, all right, I'm going to wait till the ninth round to get my next pitcher. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, you know, you're going to need these guys. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the game has become the game has become much less about the draft and much more about in season. That's just the way the, the game has evolved, because we used to draft all these pitchers and they would make 30 starts. And the decision was, do you like this guy enough? Is he doing well enough? Or do I grab this other 30 start guy off the waiver wire? Right. Like which guy? Now that's not the case. We have to go in assuming they're going to throw 120 innings. Right knowing they're going to have starts get, knowing they're going to have the truncated starts that you mentioned, Kyle. So it's very much become the fantasy baseball has very much become a game of management, I think. Mm-hmm. So, it you know, you need – and maybe that's part of the reason it's struggled in popularity recently too, yeah. is that you have to stay on top of this. If you don't stay on top of it, it's very tough to win. Well, I mean, it, you compare it to fantasy football, right? Pitchers have become running backs. 
<laughs> That's what it is. When you get a great one, it's awesome. But so many of these guys fall short. So many of these guys get injured. And I don't know if it's to the extreme of running backs where they disappear by age 30, but a lot of these pitchers uh, disappear pretty quickly when the injuries start piling up. So we shall see. And this all kind of piggybacks into our next topic. You know, when we talk about guys who maybe aren't there early in spring training or who get a late start, that leads us right to these free agents that we've been talking about for at least a month now, guys who've yet to sign. Um, there was some news on Blake Snell, at least a report yesterday. Blake Snell, a Scott Boris agent, guy coming off his second Cy Young Award. Ray, there's been very little chatter about him. Uh, we kind of thought when Otani signed, okay, that'll loosen things up. It has not. Uh, this is prototypical Scott Boris, you know, kind of just saying, this is our price. Mm -hmm. Who wants to meet it? Mm -hmm. And right now, nobody's, nobody's blinking, Ray. Nobody's meeting the price. Boris ain't going to blink. Uh, we're hearing Yankees have an offer on the table. They, they'd love to have Blake Snell. And boy, after Carlos Rodon, enjoy that, New York. <laughs> Double, <laughs> Double down, down, baby. Yep. Double down. Um, they got an offer on the table. We're hearing Giants. We're hearing Angels. And, and right now, Ray, the teams, if I'm the Yankees, Giants, Angels, we could all, yeah, we'd love to have Blake Snell. But I'm sure the price is, I don't know, $30 million a year. You know, maybe they're asking for something silly like that with Blake Snell, $28 million a year. And these offers may be coming in at 22 23 a year right now with Blake Snell. Yeah, the Giants GM came out and said they're not making any other moves. Hmm. There's a press conference. He said that. Like this, and it was quoted, and there's video. Like, that's what he said. And then this report comes out the next day that maybe they're still in. It's like, I don't know. I mean, he said they weren't going to do anything. He said, this is the team we got. We might sign some players and that kind of thing, you know, to, to buttress our group. But he was pretty definitive. We're not spending $250 million on anybody, right? So I am very surprised to hear now that the Giants are in because that's in direct opposition to what he said. But I think the biggest problem is for, for Blake Snell is that there's, it's a twofold issue. One, if we talk about him coming in now, like I think teams are a little nervous. You haven't been around. You're already missing the start of camp. We're giving you all this money. When are you going to show up? You know, he's going to sign a contract. We got to go through the physicals. We got to do all the legal paperwork. You got to get in, or you're going to miss the first week of camp in a best case scenario, right? Then the clock starts ticking. Are you going to be ready for this opening day? Blah blah blah. The second piece is he's already 31 years old, and despite having a great season last year, we've seen him have a great season before. And what happened after that? He was pretty league average with a lot of strikeouts. And even last season, you know, you win the signing award. He walked five guys per nine innings. Like, this is terrible. And there is a big concern. And I read a, a, an in-depth article that talked a lot about his stuff. There's a big concern that his stuff uh, is, is kind of on the edge, meaning that if he loses any little bit of the fastball or the slider, he yeah. doesn't have the repertoire to work around it, right? Like, and he, he's 31 now, you know, lose – you know, three or four inches here, you lose a mile or two here. People are very concerned that he pulls back to the pack very quickly in that scenario. Uh, and I think there's a lot of concern. Like you're saying, $250, $300 million for him. I, I, teams have the money. Yeah. I just don't think they feel good about the investment. Yeah, I'm not investing in Blake Snell. Um, kudos to these teams. Everybody's like, oh, but one more pitcher would put us over the top. you got to look at his track record. You know, just look at it. Did, was Blake Snell able to push the Padres over the top? Hell no. And was he good with the Padres? He was for one year. And then he was all over the place the other years. He's been all over the place throughout his career. Two Cy Youngs and the other years, Ray, average? I mean, he's got two, maybe average is a little rough. He's probably, I mean, there are stats that stand out, but the two Cy Young years are far and away his best years. Everything else is very cloudy if you look at Blake Snell. Well, and again, you know, Let's do, we were just talking about the workload piece. Are, are you comfortable paying out of this world prices and teams aren't apparently for a guy who has thrown 130 innings once in five years? 130. We were talking, joking around about 120. If I can get Joe Schmo to give me 120, am I going to pay you know 500 times that to get 130? I mean, that's so yeah, this is just, I mean, I get it. And he had the season of seasons at the perfect time, right? The perfect time for him as a client as a player and all that, but teams are, are smart. If you can't count on a guy to consistently go out there and give you six innings, which you can't, you can't mm -hmm. count on him to make 25 starts, which you really can't. How can you pay him that much money? Still waiting for Snell, Chapman, Bellinger, Montgomery, a couple of others out there. We shall see uh, with camps upon us. Uh, LA Angels, they're back in the news. Um, th if you wondered, Anthony Rendon gave his confirmation yesterday. Faith, family, then baseball, which sounds more like a, 
like a launch to a presidential campaign. <laughs> 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 Here's the thing, Ray, it's fine. Okay, whatever. But mm-hmm. he's already kind of fading this game of you don't care about baseball. And he pretty well doubled down again. <laughs> kind of like the Yankees may do with Snell and Runda. It's, it's, you know, yeah. Hey, I'll be honest with you guys. You think it's bad? Family and faith is more important than baseball, which is kind of what you're supposed to say, but it's not what you're supposed to say, right? Well, the pro- the problem, obviously, is he hasn't played 60 games in four years, and he's due $114 million still, yeah. right? And I think the Angels hear him say that and play, say, man, your family, they really need you, bro. Walk away. Because if he walks away, they don't have to pay him. That's money to us, yeah. Yeah, that's the only way they get their money back is if he quits, uh, basically. So, I mean – are there a lot of people in all jobs that would say this? Absolutely. Are there baseball players that are thinking this? Yeah. It could be half the players in Major League Baseball, right? But are they dumb enough to say that when they can't be on the field and they're, they're paid $30 million a year? Well, Ray, if you no. were playing 140 games, yeah. fine. Make it your third most important right. thing. But he also said, I'm just here for the paycheck. That's yeah. the that's also kind of a punch in the gut. He's making $35 million a year. He doesn't give a flip. He doesn't give a flip, which again, okay, a lot of people don't give a flip and still do their jobs. He doesn't do his job and doesn't give a flip. So if that well, kind of person was at my organization working with us at FantasyGuru.com, they wouldn't be working at FantasyGuru.com. And, and the beauty of this race, probably within the same hour of Anthony Rendon saying this yesterday, Mike Trout is is meeting with the media saying, I want us to spend money and I want us to get better. Meanwhile, I got this guy over here who doesn't want to be here. And Mike Trout was asked point blank, do you want out? And he said, not now, or he wants to stay. But Ray, I I think he's now thinking this ain't going to get better, at least with him. And this is a story, it kind of sounds weird to say, Ray, but there may be a point this summer where he could be traded. I, I think that's very possible for Mike Trout. If he if he were to stay healthy for the first three months and kind of be 90% of Mike Trout, Ray, he, he will bring back a, a decent get. I mean, he's under contract. He'll have shown people, hey, I'm back to being Mike Trout. He can add one of the top five hitters in all of baseball. And I think the Angels would be willing to move. They'll eat some money, I think. But I, I think this is something as we get closer to July could actually manifest and become a reality for Trout to be on the trade block. Yeah, he's going down. He's the modern day Ernie Banks if he stays with the Angels. Yeah. A Hall of Fame player that doesn't win. And, you know, there's a lot, there is a lot that goes into this, right? Now, Mike Trout's an East Coast guy, right? That's where he's from. Uh, but clearly he's been out here forever. He's he's been part of the organization for what, almost what 15 years now. Uh, you know, he's grown up there. He's obviously comfortable there. All these things, okay. But the fact is the Angels the Angels aren't going to get it done. They're not. And part of the reason they're not going to get it done is they're paying $425 million to Mike Trout. That's part of the reason. It is. But another huge part is, like you're saying, this Rendon thing. I mean, it's $35 million for him. Think if they had signed two players at $15 million, how much better their team would be. And that's the danger of these long-term contracts. Sometimes they don't work out. You've got to pay the price to get the guy, and sometimes the guy doesn't pay off. But the Angels are just, they're, they're, I mean, you look at their roster and their pieces here, but they're just, they're not going anywhere. They're not, they're not, you know, are they going to pull a Diamondbacks this year? It would be shocking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mike Trout needs to come, he has to come out and say, he's not a wide receiver in the NFL. All right. So he can't come out and say, screw you guy. Well, what's he going to say? But behind the scenes, he can't be happy, huh? It's, it's kind of fun, Ray, to play the what if game. And like, you can connect Trout to all sorts, but like you mentioned, the East Coast, it'd be fun back to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And what would, what, you know, just to play this what if game? Well, you know, you give up, let's say, Alec Bohm, who's a third baseman, could replace Anthony Rendon. Um, maybe you give up Andrew Painter. Maybe throw in the the uh, Rojas kid, the center fielder, Johan Rojas. And, and I'm not saying like gets it done. And of course, there's my, but it's, it's something of that level where the Angels. Again, Andrew Painter, who who knows where he's going to end up, but the Angels really need pitching prospects, they need everything. They're trying to rebuild. So, you know, Bohm's a guy who you'd have for another three years, and then Rojas is just starting his big league career. Painter hasn't arrived yet. But there, there are so many of those you can play that game with when you think about trading Mike Trout. So um, I, I think it's going to be a game many of us will be playing as we get into the summer and, and teams maybe. Now, he, if he's injured, it's not going to happen. He's got to stay on the field. Um, is is he worth the, the draft day risk, Ray? This guy's always been a first rounder. Now he's slipping and sliding. I was talking with Glenn Colton, one of the, the, the leading minds in our industry. He says he's done with Trout. He's, he, he's finished. Even at this cost, where are you with Trout? 
I was done with Trump three years ago. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But the price is lowered a lot now. Well, yeah. I mean, his ADP in the month of February at the NFBC is about 60th, which is fair. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that used to be, it was one and then it was six and then it was 16 and then it was 26 and now it's 60. So people, this is way beyond where we normally see him. I think that we have two, we have a couple issues going on. One, we can't trust him to stay on the field. He's played two thirds of the games for like six years. Like he's not on the field. Two, he's stolen like six bases the last four years, which is, remember, this guy stole 49 bases his first full season. So he's not on the field. He doesn't run. And the batting average because of the strikeouts, you know, he's become kind of a 275 hitter. Mm. So, you know, would I pay the price? I don't think I would. I'm not saying I wouldn't take him because, yeah. you know, but, it, it, you know, right next to him is Manny Machado. Give me Manny Machado if I had to make the decision. I'd go that route, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of injuries and speaking of steals, uh, we might as well file follow up uh, Ray's take on Mike Trout by mentioning that Giancarlo Stanton uh, is thin, lost some weight. I don't know the exact number, but he's thinned. And Byron Buxton, who's always been thin, is now promising 30 stolen bases. Ray, which story matters to you more? Stanton being, let's call it, in shape. Mm-hmm. Watching him last year was pitiful um are buxton promising or at least saying he wants to get back to 30 steals which topic uh is of more import of those two i think the answer to that is and this is amazing to say because these guys are the same guy kind of right i think it's a stanton one because i, I mean, think too I, I, I agree with you <laughs> i love you byron buxton but it's just not possible yeah. like it's just not you know uh and you know byron buxton how he's 30 like it would be fantastic if he went you know 31 30 this year did something it would be fantastic and then everyone will overdraft him next year because he'll get hurt uh i wish him the best because he's a phenomenal he's one of the most talented i i confidently can say this one of the most talented guys to ever step on a major league field all around bases defense just but he cannot stay healthy the stand thing it's wild to think that he's his his star has been going like this the arrow has been pointing down for years and he just keeps getting bigger and stronger it's like at some point bro are you going to maybe try to be an athlete instead of just mr muscle so yeah he looks i mean he's still a huge dude right and they have all these pictures of him which i found hilarious next to aaron judge everyone looks small next to aaron judge but you can tell he's lost a substantial amount of muscle mass which was good because you know weightlifters generally don't have a like in the abstract it is but ray he's been that other guy for a decade like how's he gonna look swinging the bat like things are just different when you lose let's call it 25 pounds mm-hmm. you know it's your body well, yeah. and, and we've talked about this a lot over the years because athletes remain there pablo sandoval showed up to the giants and he's I, I he's probably not been that thin since he was 19 like he's lost his belly is gone and it's like it took you to be 37 and out of baseball to realize being a fat guy is fun but not really cool you know it when you make significant change as someone who has dealt with this, because I've told the story previously, when I was 16, I was 6'2", 206. Okay. And most of my adult life had been about 185. So I was at 16 bigger than I've been now. I was, they called me burly. They called me husky. All You see all these newspaper reports growing up. I was the big kid. Right. And now I'm slender. I've gone through that body change. That's different, you know, naturally growing up and changing that way versus, one year to the next, gaining 15 pounds or losing 15 or 20 pounds. That's a big change. Your mechanics are off. The way you, you swing it. I mean, in the case of Stan, everything is off. The feel is off. The power is off. Does he start wondering, can I hit it deep to right center field still? It's a lot of change. And, you know, pitcher hitters, that's a lot to change in an offseason. Speaking of uh, shocks to the system, how about uh, facing a pitcher who could Throw one pitch 96 and follow that up with a knuckleball. Wouldn't that be fun? Would it? Ray George Kirby says he's thinking about bringing out the knuckler this year, which I've always been a backer of George Kirby. I've got him everywhere. That That's one of my favorites I've had a hit on, at least so far. Um, and I like Logan Gilbert a lot, too. It's just I could always get Kirby cheaper, and he was kind of the, the lower-end guy, and that's worked for me. Uh, but now he's arrived at Camp Ray, and he's saying the knuckleball may be a thing. Like, like. It, it's because the knuckleballers we know, Ray, are Tim Wakefield, who couldn't hit 90 with a fastball. And all he threw was almost exclusively knucklers. And, you know, there's the Necros and stuff from way back when, you know, all of that. But somebody like Kirby Ray, we've never seen like a good pitcher. RJ or uh, Dill, uh, was it RJ Dickey? Dickey. Mm-hmm. I guess that was a good pitcher. And he mixed in a little bit of fastball and stuff. But we saw how he dominated 
when he was on, Kirby would be a whole nother level. If indeed, I mean, maybe it's four times a game, but this is kind of a, a, a fun story to read and to think about into the summer. Yeah, and I was reading a little bit about him. Apparently, he doesn't like throw to the catcher. He throws to targets in the offseason. He he's got a little bit of a weird or different training. It's working because he basically walks a batter per, per game. I mean, he's terrific, and he's been great. He's got a little Anthony Rendon in him. Maybe he's the one that threw the fit last year when he went out for the seventh inning because he's only supposed to throw six innings in a game. Um, I don't know. Everything I have read and seen and viewed video – can you throw a knuckleball four times a game? Like, I don't get the sense that, that any knuckleballer would say that's a good idea. You know, you have to throw the knuckleball. Like, you, you have to, it has to be your main weapon versus sprinkling it in. If he can somehow figure out how to sprinkle it in and not bounce balls in the dirt and throw it, have at it, man, because that will be fuddle batters. Yeah. That yeah, would be, if it's nobody's on base and it's 0-2 or 1-2. Yeah. That's when you spring the knuckler on the guy because there's no way to hit that. If you're yeah. if you're sitting on George Kirby's fastball slider, Kurt, whatever, mm -hmm. and then you get this 65 mile an hour knuckler, forget about it. Yeah, he throws 96. Like if it, it and you know his his motion would be different, obviously, as he you would read it a little bit, but still, you haven't seen it. You've had two at bats against them. Yeah, no one. All here it comes. Like it would be something. It would also it would be interesting to see if he would do that because generally, you know this, Kyle, when there's a knuckleball, the catcher uses a different glove. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting to see if the catcher is able to use a regular glove and catch it or if he starts throwing it, the batter's swinging and missing and the catcher's dropping the ball. So there's a lot going on here. As a baseball fan, I would love to see it. We'll see. It's not does. brand new. They said he's fooled around with it mm -hmm. and warm-ups and stuff. So the, the catchers he has in Seattle have seen it, but Ray's right. It's and most of these guys do get uh, pancake-style gloves to, to try and block that pitch. But we'll see how it goes in spring training. Um, let's move on to some other things in baseball. A lot of big names kind of in the news, so we wanted to take care of that business first. Let's get back to our team-by-team -team previews yesterday. Uh, Ray was talking to Cubs. Today, we stay in the NL Central. We're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds, uh, one of the more exciting teams in baseball. And, uh, Ray, they have a lot of exciting hitting, tons of it, which we'll talk about. And a few names on the pitching side, too. You know, unlike, you know, Baltimore really hasn't developed the pitching side like they have the hitting. The, the Reds, I don't want to say they've succeeded, but, Ray, they've got hitters and pitchers kind of arriving at the same time. And there we see one of them. Uh, player profile on Nick Lodolo, who is overshadowed by Hunter Green. Mm -hmm. uh, but even last year, Ray, in, in draft season, you'd see Green go first, but people love Lodolo. And that was like, it was kind of like a Gilbert or Kirby thing. It was like mm -hmm. Lodolo or Green. Like, and I don't know if we've settled this. Green has been tough to love. Lodolo, it, it's not tough to love, Ray. It's just we haven't seen enough. We, it, It's, it's kind of scary, the lack of work we've seen from him thus far. Yeah, I'll have an article. I think it's coming out tomorrow uh, about pitchers that have added pitches this year. Hunter Green's been a guy. He's working on some off-speed stuff, which he desperately needs because it's all hard. So check that out when it comes at fantasyguru.com. Lodolo is – there have been the comparisons to Chris Sale and Randy Johnson. He's a tall lefty, that kind of thing, fastball slider, dominant, potentially dominant slider. Those comparisons aren't fair, right? You don't want to put that on a kid. Um but the fact is that Ludolo can be, and even has been at times at the big league level, a flat-out dominant force. Mm -hmm. The issue he's dealt with, obviously, is the leg injury last year that limited him. He only made seven starts. Um, there was a bunch of wonky crap. I mean, his batting average of balls in play, to talk about something we'll discuss, um, 435 last year. I mean, that's insane. That's <laughs> when that's part of the reason the numbers were so bad last year. But I think the real issue we have with Ludolo isn't Will he dominate and produce strikeouts? Because he's going to dominate and produce strikeouts. It's the rest of it. How 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 has he recovered from this injury? How many innings and pitches are they going to let him throw this year? When is he going to enter the starting rotation? Uh, and you know, can he lock down enough consistency from start to start to be someone we can fully trust? Because there's going to be moments this year, no doubt. There'll be moments where he shines. It's the trust factor that we got to work into, Kyle. It, it is cheap, as you've got on this graphic, 248. I think he's barely inside the top 100 amongst pitchers. He, he would be a guy that, Ray, if he's able to give you five starts in the spring, you know, and, and rack up 16 innings, you know, in those five starts and they're good, he'll, he'll surge. Yeah. He will take off. As of now, he doesn't really – I think the Reds have even kind of built their rotation as if, well, if he d isn't ready to go, we've got other names. So he he's one of those guys right now. 
I understand the 248, but this could be dramatically different a month from now mm -hmm. to where 248 becomes 215 or something for Lodolo if for he sure. makes the rotation and if he has a decent spring down in Arizona. It could even you know leak into the 100s. Yeah, absolutely could happen with him because he, he is the prototypical pitcher that everyone reaches for on draft day. Mm -hmm. A young guy with oodles of talent, massive strikeout potential. Boom, right? It's just you're drawn to that. And if he's out there and he's hitting the gun at 96 and the reports are good and he's having the, the report, it's going to be everywhere. Everyone on social media, they're going to be talking about it. They'll be running stories about it. Everyone will start whispering. Everyone will go back to their notes from last year and realize, oh, crap, I had Lodolo. Lodolo was in my um, 2023 breakout pitcher of the year column. He was one of the finalists for the, like, he's on the list. It's like, that was last year, right? Um, so, yeah, he he's definitely someone that could see a drastic change. One of the rare players, like, tonight I'm in the labor draft. It'll be interesting to see where he gets drafted here versus a month from now where I go to my Tout Wars League and see where he gets mm -hmm. drafted there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on with the Reds from our player profile of Lodolo, let's hit you with four questions. And, Ray, we'll go right to Hunter Green as the first question here. Um, he is the more highly touted. He is the more highly drafted. We're kind of still in a spot with him where is he a pitcher or a thrower? And, I mean, it's un he has got just an electric fastball, okay? This guy can do it. He can hum it. As good as any start, probably better than any starting pitcher in all of baseball. But, Ray, we, we just haven't seen a collection of outings, like a run where it's clicked. And he is still very young, and he is still learning his craft a bit. He was a bit unlucky. You talked about that, what, 440 Babip or something for Lodolo. I mean, Hunter Green gave up a load of home runs. But I don't know if that's unlucky or if that's just what he's serving up right now. You know, where people sit on that fastball, and if he's not hitting his spots or getting movement, hitters are going to crush it. Yeah, and it's really tough. I mean, and I've, you know, I've had this conversation for years. It's very difficult to really be a two-pitch pitcher as a starter. Spencer Strider kind of done it. He's been kind of a standout. Most guys like Hunter Green that are in that zone, they struggle from start to start. And Strider's trying to add off-speed stuff. Green's trying to add off-speed stuff. There's a curveball and a splitter he's been tink tinkering with. And Green really needs that because he throws his fastball and a slider 95% of the time. He's Robbie Ray. And we know Robbie Ray is a perfect example. When Robbie Ray is locked in, he's mowing people down. When he's not locked in, it's bad, right? And, and Green is on that path if he can't develop that off-speed pitch because everything is hard right now, and he throws his fastball up in the zone, right, which is why he gets strikeouts, and that's why he gives up home runs. If he could start getting something like a curveball or a splitter down in the zone more consistently, then it's a whole new ball game. Now the hitters don't even just have to worry about the speed change. They have to worry about the location change. When you start changing batter's eye lines, that's when you really have success as a pitcher. So I think the development of that third pitch that he can throw more than 5% of the time, because he throws his change up 5% of the time, no one cares. Mm -hmm. If he can get that third pitch, Hunter Green can be someone that absolutely takes off in 2024. Question two with the Reds. Is it possible for Frankie Montas to stay healthy? <laughs> Uh, right. I mean, he got one of the, I don't want to say a stunning deals. It was it one year for Frankie Montes, but it was a lot of money for one 16. year, 16 million. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever the number was. And on the Hill, he's fine, Ray, but now you got to, I know he came back last year through three innings, but it's like, and, and it seems like that has really sold the Reds or something. But <laughs> came back for three innings and now they're, they feel safe. But he is one of those real make-or-break pitchers on draft day. If you could get 25 starts of Frankie Montas, you're probably getting draft day steal this season. He was great in 2021. Great in 2021. He was good in 2022, and then last year he barely pitched, as Kyle said. And, you know, even in 2022, he had a – was it his back that was an issue and the second half was a mess? Yeah. You know, he said he was fine. He kept pitching, and it just didn't work out. So we really haven't seen the good Frankie Montas since the first half of 2022. So. I, you know, it's not a good place to pitch in, in Cincinnati. He's not a home run guy. He's not a home run magnet or anything like that, but it's not a good place to pitch. And there are legitimate concerns, obviously, about his health that you noted. So if I had to answer your question, can he stay healthy? I'm going to say no. Yeah. Um, would I take a chance at my last pick or something? Okay. He's got a live arm of healthy, but there's a lot of risk there. Let's go to the hitting side. I see behind you, Zach Cozart, and I think that's Billy Hamilton. Uh, those yes. guys are gone. Those and are the Todd Frazier. Days. And who is that? Todd Frazier in the middle. Todd Frazier, yeah. So this, this is a dated photo behind Ray Flowers here. And the reason those guys are gone is they earned their way out of town. But also the Reds are new with, with hitters and very young with hitters. And Ray, uh, there's Noel Marte, there's Ellie De La Cruz, there's Spencer Steer, like Christian Incarnacion Strand, on and on. There's also Matt McClain. 
And Ray, I, I bring up Matt McClain as our third topic here because he might be the best of all of them. Like, he doesn't get near the pub, and I'm not going to say he is the best, but as a fantasy player, Ray, I, I just want to give a shout-out to Matt McClain. This guy's a legitimate producer. His rookie year was very strong across the board. I, I don't know what the ceiling is for McClain, and again, he's lost in the shuffle with all these other just crazy talents, but I, we need to point out to people he's absolutely a guy worth knowing for this year. Yeah, his floor is much higher than Ellie De La Cruz. I think his ceiling is much lower, but his floor is much higher. And he was, Matt McClain was terrific last year. He comes into this season, dual position eligible, shortstop and second base, which is a huge benefit, obviously. I think a 2020 season out of Matt McClain could happen, and I would not be surprised. I think we can see that this year. Would I anticipate him on a per at bat basis matching last year's levels? No, because it, remember, he only played 89 games last year, but I think he can go 2020 this year. My real concern with him is the batting average. You know, it's, it was 290 last year. I think he's more of a 260 kind of hitter. So I, I would expect him to be better because of volume this year, but a little less productive on a per-game basis. Final thing on these four questions for the Reds. Ray, do we have six to maybe eight guys with 20 steal potential? I mean, this could be – I mean, this is part of the excitement with the franchise is power, ballpark, youth, energy, stolen bases as well. It, there's a lot of guys here who could rack up the steals for the Reds. Yeah, there are. I mean, there's a guy that could steal 15, 20 bases, Jake Fraley, who looks like he's not even in the starting lineup. Um, I mean, Fraley could do it. Benson, Marte, De La Cruz, McLean, Friedel, or getting, I mean, yeah. you know, we could have a ton of 15, 15 guys on this team and they could reach 20 steals with a question. So yeah, this is, this is an exciting team for a reason. Uh, I would love it right now if I was a Reds fan, because my gosh, what a group of talent. Jamar Candelario is not one of those guys, but as we talk about additions for the Reds, he was the big one. Montas, Nick Martinez, and Emilio Pagan. You know, th those are kind of additions you make when you're ready to win. And so uh, Nick Martinez, Emilio Pagan, they are with the Reds as well. Uh, Prospect-wise, again, Noel V. Marte is probably the guy we've seen the least of that has the highest ceiling. And, you know, almost everybody has him as a top 10 prospect in baseball. Plan is to have him starting at third base. You've got all these other guys floating around. One name that hasn't been mentioned, Ray, that I thought for this part we mentioned is Rhett Lauder, who was actually a first-round pick last year out of Wake Forest. He's a pitcher. Because he went the collegiate ranks, he's kind of on the fast track. I wouldn't be stunned if things like Montas or Ladello or Green, if these guys fade, these guys get hurt, or Nick Martinez is more useful in the bullpen. Rhett Lauder, who's done very little pro baseball, um, could be a guy that ascends. But, Ray, I, I think the prospect field when you talk the Reds, it's the guys that are already here. And, you know, somebody like Encarnacion and Strand, who I actually have as my take-a-chance-on guy. Mm -hmm. I, I think, Ray, because he doesn't have a job right now, he's going to fall. But I, I think his bat will find him a way into the lineup. Something will happen, you know, somewhere on the diamond to allow him to get in. And I think he's a guy that I would take a chance on. Price is right. And I think he could find his way in the lineup and stick there if he were to have a good week or two and just kind of hit like everybody thinks he can hit. My take a chance guy is Jake Fraley for the same reason. Yeah. yeah. Because the price, you know, and both CES and Fraley may or may not be in the opening day lineup, right? They got a lot of pieces here, but both the guys' price is low enough. That, and there's so much excitement with everyone else. Like, it would feel cheap going with another name. I, I'm going into like a 50-round draft and hold today, and those guys are perfect guys for draft and hold. I don't need them to kill it in April. You know, I, I'm going to hold them all year, so uh, they, they work really well for me. How about uh, take a pass on who? I'm going to take a pass on Andrew Abbott. Uh, there were moments last year where people were like, ah, maybe they look at his overall numbers and they get excited, but uh, I'm just a little uh, hesitant at the moment, Kyle. Mine is Hunter Green. I'm going to take a pass on. I'm not here for the fun and games. I'll, you know, I, he's, he's kind of fun to watch because he throws so damn hard. Uh, but I, you know, the home runs in that ballpark scare me. And I just kind of wonder if he'll always be a thrower and not much of a pitcher. So that is the fear, I guess, with green. Uh, there you go. Team preview of the Cincinnati Reds here on FSD shortstop positional preview. Ray opened up the uh, basket yesterday talking about Ellie de la Cruz and if he was worth the draft day cost today, Ray, at the position, we talk about the surprises of a year ago and whether or not they can repeat. Um, a few names here. Um, one guy we're not seeing here. We'll get to C.J. Abrams. We'll get to J.P. Crawford. I put Francisco Lindor here, Ray, who's obviously been a star for a number of years. 
But I feel like a year ago, we all kind of sit here and said, oh, you know, the best is gone. And Lindor, you know, he's going to be one of those lousy Mets contracts. And three years from now, you're like, why are we still paying this guy? He's hitting 240. He got old. He's not. And, and I was kind of thinking we were trending that direction. And I don't want to say he got back to Francisco Lindor, but Ray, his numbers just on the point blank looking at him were impressive last year. And he finished, what, number two? among shortstops in almost all rankings. To me, that was a big surprise. If he had finished sixth or seventh, not a surprise. To see him all the way back up to like one of the best fantasy shortstops in baseball caught me a little off guard with Lindor last season. Wasn't very good his final season in Cleveland during the COVID year. And his first year in New York was not good. Just wasn't. Uh, And a lot of people were very concerned about the contract at that point in time. He rebounded in 2022 and was solid. And I think that I wouldn't consider him a surprise, but I totally get your point because there was a a step, uh, especially in the steals column where he doubled his steals total from Mm -hmm. 2022. Uh, You know, he went 25-15 and then he went 30-30. So I think he reignited the understanding and the belief that this guy is damn good. He's only 30 years old as well. Like he he was, when he came up, he was never going to really be a power bat and everyone was wrong because he had hit 30 home runs, what, five times now, four or five times. He is a phenomenal all-around player. He's he's a leader in the clubhouse. He's got an infectious personality. And last year, we saw that the veteran saw some stuff left in the tank. Yeah, I think I was expecting a natural leveling or a decline, you know, just as you age and everything. And it could still be good, but not explosive. And last year, he re-upped the explosive side. These other two players, right? C.J. Abrams, very young, just starting his career. I guess J.B. Crawford has probably moved into the veteran level now at this point. Um Talk about these two guys. We'll start with Abrams in Washington. I, I think why a lot of people were not looking because the team sucked. It was late in the summer. But while we weren't looking, Ray, C.J. Abrams became something in fantasy baseball. He, he did. And I was talking about this. Where was it? Was it? I think it was even yesterday I mentioned him. Um, it's the, like the day I said, I, it's just not going to happen this year. We'll look toward next season is the day it started happening this year. <laughs> and I've been in on, from you. <laughs> yeah, I've been in on him the whole time. And it's like, I got to, it's just not happening in 2023. Next day, boom, it started to happen. And we saw last year, you know, we saw last year a, a lot of positivity. You got to remember, he's only 23 years old. He was 22 when the season started last year. He's a young guy, didn't have a lot of experience at the big league level. And the 47 steals, like everyone thought he could steal 30 bases at the big league level. So it's not a surprise he stole the bases. I think the 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 interesting factor with Abrams is that his hit tool, and it depends on who you ask and everything. There's a lot of people that were saying 65, 70, which is clearly all-star level hit tool. There's a belief out there in a lot of scouting circles where he's a 290, 300 hitter when mm. he develops. So if we get him to take a step in the batting average category, because he only hit 245 last year. If he can steal 40 bases and hit 285, which I think his talent has always dictated as possible, he could be even better this year than he was last year, which is saying something. Well, Ray, here's all that I care about with him. He had a 300 on base percentage and stole 47 bases. I mean, this is Billy Hamilton, honestly. But if he can get that to like 330, which you're talking about with the bat, I mean, Mm -hmm. 330 should be easy for C.J. Abrams. And I know this is a dangerous game to play. We think, well, if I get all those extra on-base attempts, they're all going to end up as steals. But, Ray, I will go out on a limb and say if he's got a 335 OBP, the dude's stealing 60 bases like he is. Um, 300 OBP to steal 47 bases is wild. Now, he was also super effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, 47 for 51. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. And, and he's not, I mean, the, the K's and the walks don't, I mean, they're way out of whack. But that's an exciting player that I don't think a lot of people realize what he can actually do and what more. That 245, Ray, I think you nailed it. Everybody thinks he's going to be higher. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we see this guy and say 245 and this profile, we say, that's what he is. Right. But people think he can be a lot more there. Um, how about Crawford? Um, he stuck around last year and put up numbers, Ray. And, and the, the two big ones, 19 homers, 94 runs scored. You know, 94 runs scored, nobody ever talks about that number, but that is impressive for J.P. Crawford in a lineup that was not great. I mean, it wasn't like they were stinging the baseball over the field, but he was involved in almost every rally, it seemed like, for the Mariners last season. Yeah, he hit ninth 25 times, but then they switched things up and said hit first. He hit first 113 times. Yeah. And so, you know, he had 638 plate appearances, and in opposition to the C.J. Abrams number, J.P. Crawford had a 380 on base percentage, which is really good. 
And, mm. you know, you play every day and you get on base at that clip at the top of the order, you score runs. I mean, it's very simple, right? It's, it's a very easy equation to figure out. The real question is, what does the follow-up look like? Because Crawford, as, as noted there on the screen, he had an 818 OPS last year. His career number prior to last season was in the 600s. So we had a huge change. And, you know, basically what we, we saw with him is he went from a single-digit launch angle guy to a double-digit launch angle guy. So he drastically altered the way he was batting the baseball. He hit it harder than he normally did. He hit it more consistently than he normal did, normally did in the air. That led to some power, but it, it didn't cause him to – I mean, his strikeout rate went up a bit, but it didn't cause him to lose control of the strike zone, and he walked 15% of the time. So I think that – I think there's more carryover than not with mm -hmm. Crawford, but I'm not expecting a full repeat of last season. I think that's as good as it can get with him. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if he hits 260 with 18 homers, 65 ribbies, 85 runs, and two stolen, like almost an exact replica, you'll take it. Um, he's not costing anybody a load, but a guy who uh, has has slowly but surely become more of a Major League Baseball player, you know, kind of flamed out in Philadelphia. Seattle took a shot on him, was not great early, but they kept sticking with him, and, and I think Maybe they do have more of a long-term answer there with Crawford. So those are a few surprises at shortstop tomorrow on the program. We will take a look at a few disappointments. Uh, let us now switch gears and go to a little NBA action. Our friend Justin Finsterman is back with us. Uh, Justin is now having to deal with Ray Flowers twice in about 15 hours. And he doesn't look worse the wear for it. How are you doing today, Justin? Oh, I'm great, Kyle. As you can see, I was not able to keep much of my hair after last night's show. Now, now back me up on this, Justin. It's not easy working with this guy, is it? You know what, Kyle? I <laughs> wish I could back you up on it, but I just can't because it actually was pretty easy working with Ray last okay. night. See, Kyle, I told you. You know, yeah. I mean, come on, guys. We've known each other half our lives at this point. We have mm. to have that natural organic chemistry. We work yeah. directly together. Well, just know that I've trained him well as I sent him off. Dude, like, you I'm like the puppy. I'm the dog whisperer, and I've said right to you now. Dude, you've got honestly, and I'm not trying to blow smoke or anything because it's been <laughs> mentioned on podcasts, but like there's the coaching trees of like Bill Belichick <laughs> and all dude. All three of us are from your coaching tree oh, in yeah. some ways. You realize like, like you, like me, Ray, and Jeff. Jeff's mentioned it on his shows <laughs> before. We're all from the Kyle Elfrey coaching tree. Oh, well, that's great. I didn't even know this exist. I need to get trademarked on that or something. I don't yes. know. Uh, well, I, I, we're looking forward to the show. You guys are every uh, Friday nights, not Friday, but every other night, right? For yeah, we don't roll on Shabbos, Kyle. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That was one demand. It's, it's not bad. <laughs> uh, we are here to talk basketball. Uh, they're still in the All-Star break, by the way. I think they're still scoring. That's why they're still in the All-Star break. <laughs> Lay wait, wait, didn't I tell you guys, don't bet on this stupid weekend, okay? Have fun. Just watch it. And I'm seeing people in the Discord trying to bet on it and wondering why they're not hitting, and they're shocked by it. It's a freaking money pit. <laughs> <laughs> you did warn us. Yeah, Justin told us that. Uh, they start up Thursday. Yep. We did get a firing yesterday. Jacques Vaughn of Brooklyn canned. Uh, I think he lasted a year, maybe. Nope. <laughs> Didn't didn't get a year. Nope. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, in hockey, we get like the, the coach bounce or whatever. I don't know if that exists in the NBA, but are there guys on the Nets that could get a coach bounce from something new right now? I just think that if anything, because the Nets don't have that luxury, Kyle. They're very poorly constructed, in my opinion. And here's the thing with the Nets, if anything, with Kevin Ollie, and I can't go based on his UConn team that won the national championship back in 2014. But if there's one thing that I could think about, it's maybe the offense sways more to the guards. <laughs> so I'm thinking it's just sways more to the guards there. So that's why I think that some of the other, you know, players on their team, like Cam Johnson, like Nick Claxton, I ultimately think that they're going to maybe be shooting a little bit less and you're going to see guys like Dennis Schroeder and Lonnie Walker take a few more shots, but this team isn't well built. And that's why I don't think really we're going to see much from them for the rest of the way. Justin and I Monday through Friday on Sirius XM fantasy sports radio from eight to 10 Eastern have elite sports game time. Uh, we had our first show last night and Justin, we were talking last night on the show about some futures and we're talking about the, uh, I'm trying to remember, we talked about the Nuggets, we talked about the Clippers, we talked about a bunch of teams that are kind of at the top of the leaderboard. One of those teams that are ranked highly at the moment, don't you believe in? Like, let's go in the other direction. Last night we were trying to kind of predict who's going to win the championship, that kind of thing. What if we go in the other direction? Who makes you a little bit nervous? Maybe I'll go a little bit deeper when we're on again tomorrow night, Ray, but one from the East, one from the West. I don't believe in the Milwaukee Bucks. I really just don't. 
Doc Rivers being there does nothing for me. Probably hurts them even more because he's the most overrated coach in the history of the NBA. And I can say that with a straight face because it's true. This team doesn't play any defense, and that's a problem. And they're going to get in a series, and they're going to lose. And I'm not going to say this is going to happen, but let's say they face a team like the Miami Heat who pride themselves on defense. Now, last year, you could say the Giannis injury, yada, yada, yada. This year, though, fully healthy, two full staffs. I don't know if Milwaukee can survive a team like Miami if they start shooting up in the standings a little bit more, which I'm expecting. So that's a problem there. I don't believe in them. On the Western side, the first-place team right now, Minnesota. I just don't see it. I really don't. Because a big-time NBA tradition is from the 1960s and 70s that has decided winners or losers is when you have slower-moving teams with more size, the way to beat them is by using speed. And Minnesota is going to get that used against them, and I think that's going to take them out ultimately. As impressive as they've been, we've seen players, multiple players, get to their twin towers of Towns and Gobert. And seeing that, plus the fact that I think their opposition would look to move at an even faster pace than they would already move. I don't think Minnesota is going to make it out of the West. Evan Mobley looks like he's about ready to get his minutes rise a little bit here with the Cavs, Justin. So what does that do to Jared Allen and his fantasy value moving forward? Normally, Ray, in a lot of situations, you would think that Allen's value would start to plummet. But even with Evan Mobley back, this is one of those situations where Evan Mobley doesn't interfere with where Jared Allen is in the paint. And that's because Evan Mobley tries to stretch the floor and plays a lot at the elbow. So it still gives Jared Allen the paint. And I was watching his rebounds, especially for player props as well, because because we've seen rebounding props for him at 11 and 12 and a half at times. And so I was wondering if that would start to go down with Mobley back, but it didn't. He's still able to rebound. He can still control the paint. And I don't think his value changes for the most part. Maybe scoring drops a touch, but he's going to get a lot of garbage points and puts back puts backs inside and everything. So I don't think it changes his value much at all, luckily. I see you with your Bulls jersey on. Uh, this reminds me, I wanted to ask about Ayo Dosunmo, who I, I loved Ayo because he played for Illinois. I got to see him a lot in college. He's a fun, active player, racing up and down the court. Doesn't have like the typical build of an NBA guy. He's kind of a slender, smaller dude. But with the Bulls right now, he's really coming alive. And, and that team, you know, are they in? Are they out? Should they be trading guys? Should they not? While all that's been going on, Zach Levine gets injured and Io has been a dude. Is is that going to continue or is this, hey, as long as Levine's out, Io's a dude, but if Levine's back, it's over. No, Levine's not coming back. He's out for the rest of the way. So that so is the guy, huh? Yeah, he is the guy. And I like the way he moves in the court because while a lot of these players on this team and the team as a whole moves very, very slowly, this guy is kind of your speedster of the team. And he's averaging 15 and three over his last few weeks. Really like this guy. And in a lot of our DFS content at fantasyguru.com, we put him in there as a value play. They've kept his value very low. So when I'm looking at a high octane environment, a major pace up spot, let's say the Bulls are facing a team like the Thunder, who move at a very fast pace, then I'm going to definitely use a guy like Dosumu. And I really like the way he plays. I like the way he drives. He makes very good decisions. And what's good about him is he'll cut when Kobe White is trying to create by himself. So he's always moving on the court. So this guy's been getting starts. They've been running a smaller offense, especially with Caruso at small forward at times. So when Caruso's out, that's going to benefit even more. I think he's going to remain a major offensive piece the rest of the way on a Bulls team that really isn't going anywhere. Just let's talk Pacers. Um, you know, Siakam and Halliburton are the big guys at the top. They're averaging over 20 points this season. They're the best shooting team in the league. The best scoring team in the league are the Pacers. But I look at this list and at various points this season, there's 11 guys on this team that are averaging eight points per game for however many games they've played. Beyond the top guys, are there a player or two that you're looking at and you're thinking, maybe this is someone we should be looking at adding in a fantasy league? There are two guys from the Pacers at this point, and then there's one dart that I have for you. And a lot is going to hinge, Ray, on Aaron Neesmith, who hurt his shin, and we have to figure out whether or not he's going to actually miss time or not. But let's say he doesn't anyway. With the trade of Buddy Heald, Benedict Matherin will be able to get more shots. And we see Andrew Nemhard starting. And what Andrew Nemhard does, he becomes your traditional pass point guard, and that's it. And he'll set up Tyrese Halliburton more off the ball. And it adds a dimension to Halliburton's game. And what does that mean for Andrew Nemhard? 
more assists. That assist ceiling goes up. So I think Andrew Nembhard, who could still be out there for all of you, and someone who every so often I'm looking as a value play in DFS, that's someone that could be out there. Matherin probably not as much, but he's a maybe still on waiver wires for those seasonal players out there. And then a dart, let's say Neesmith has to miss some time. Dougie McBuckets is going to become a cheap power point source, and he's going to get a lot of shots. That's why they got him. That's all he does. That's how he's made his money in the NBA. So he becomes a dart at that point. But I'm not going to suggest just picking him up like that because he only produces in one category. We need to see multi-category production for me to have more faith in him. Talking uh, hoops with Justin Fincerman. We do it every Tuesday on the show. Um, let me go quick hits on these. Because like, the second half of the season starts Thursday. Uh, so everybody's getting a bit of a DFS break. But I've got, look what I got here, like uh, four or five uh, second half predictions questions. Quick. How many games for Joel Embiid in the second half? Five to six. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. Seven games in April. I assume he doesn't play all those games in April. Five games. Clippers. Will, will they actually go for the one seed, or are we going to still see, like, Harden, George, uh, Kawhi? Are they going to be resting throughout? Or will they actually say, hey, we want to get the one seed? They have to get the one seed. One of the best home teams in the NBA. They need as much home court advantage as humanly possible. Okay. Of uh, the many superstars in the league, we saw them Sunday night. If I said you got the first pick in a fantasy basketball draft for the second half, who's who's the guy you're going with? The guy who's going to soon be named MVP once again, Nikola Jokic. Five-category producer, nothing more to say about that. Answer here, you got three choices. Neither, both, or one. Will LeBron and Steph get their teams past the play-in round? We'll, we'll get them in there as a top-ten team. Will they get past the play-in round either? There one? will be one of them, I think, that advances. And part of that, by looking at the standings, I don't believe in Sacramento. I don't think their defense is good. It's pretty garbage, actually, outside of their front court, outside of Sabonis. So I think one of them at least makes it. I know we got a lot of bad teams in the NBA, like Detroit, Washington, San Antonio, a few others. Um, are these teams, like, they're all kind of young. So we've seen in, in the past, Justin, uh, teams will bench their stars and their starters or just say the year's over, and all of a sudden we got these dirt-cheap DFS guys, these no-name rookies. Is that going to happen with these bad teams this year? Are we going to see a lot of just cheap plays in DFS night after night with teams like Detroit and San Antonio? So I wanted to get a little bit more creative than just giving you the usual last place crap team. So I think three teams that could end up benching their stars and one of them being LaMelo Ball, Charlotte. I'm waiting for an announcement that he's going to be out for the rest of the year. They're just going to tank and let get rid of him for the rest of the year because he's been hurt anyway. Portland as well. Want to see what they do with Scoot Henderson and Memphis because eventually Desmond Bain's going to come back. Why even bring the guy back? Just keep him out for the rest of the year. This team is going nowhere. They're very damaged. John Morant isn't coming back, so don't bring him back. Do you like playing DFS when you got these lousy teams with crazy rotations and you can get creative with guys at the back? You know, Not one really bit fun. because I can't find the consistency in minutes. Yeah. It's hard. It makes our jobs harder. That's why yeah. when all of a sudden stupid teams are ruling out five players in yeah. at 6 p.m. Eastern time and I have to go redo core fours, it's very annoying. It's, yes, part of the fun and figuring it out. But when you have a strategy going into a night that you spend four hours developing throughout <laughs> the day and then it all crumbles the hour before this plate it freaks you out a little bit you yeah know? well hey you've got off day you've had a few off days this week right so so justin just know you got what today tomorrow and then back at it thursday that's so right that's right your wits about you um awesome stuff congrats on the show Thank uh, you. Tonight, you guys are going again. A lot more hockey, I'm guessing, tonight. That would be no, my not guess. tonight. Actually, we are going to be stepping aside for Ray's labor draft. So I'm going to be Ooh. scouting Ray Flowers' labor team throughout his draft. And then tomorrow night, we're going to talk about it a little bit. We're going to talk about the hockey slate, three late games, and we're going to talk more NBA futures. And I'll hit yeah. Ray with more players that have changed squads as well. I There's your rundown, Ray. Yeah, all right. Thank you, Justin. Early. <laughs> That labor draft is tonight. Fun times. I forgot about that. Ray Ray will be – is that a 12-team, Ray, or 15? 15. I got the 10th pick out of the 15 tonight. Okay. I'm in a, a tout wars tonight, and I'm the 11th out of 15. So we're both getting into draft season this evening. Uh, Don't Jeff, draft Otani the pitcher, Kyle. I'll probably figure that out. I don't know. I got 50 rounds. Maybe he'll come back late. I mean, why the hell not? Maybe I'll get two starts in September. It'll be a win. Uh, Justin, awesome. Great to have you on board. Hope you enjoyed the semi break. Um, and we're all ready for the second half and 
We certainly point people in the direction of you, uh, Discord, all the write-ups, the uh, watch-along Wednesdays, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll visit next week, okay? Thank you so much for having me again, guys. He's the man, Justin Fincerman, hanging out with us here at Fantasy Sports Daily. Apologize to him for uh, getting to him a little late. Uh, we're up against the clock, Ray. So, so Babbitt, we were going to talk about. Um, we'll maybe save that for tomorrow, if you're cool okay. with it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Babbitt, we'll get to tomorrow, part of Ray's uh, Fantasy Guru Baseball Draft Guide. Quickly on the NFL, just a couple of things. Um, everybody's saying Russell Wilson's out in Denver, so expect that to happen. Uh, I think there was a report that nobody else in the NFL thinks he's sticking with the Broncos. Ray, I thought, found it interesting, a report out of Baltimore, that they may actually get involved with some big-name running backs. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a lot of them available this offseason. Uh, in free agency, Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley. And, and, and no knock on J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, all these other guys. Mm -hmm. But, Ray, man, that's that's something if you bring in Saquon Barkley and Lamar Jackson. That, that could be pretty wild to watch that offense go. Yeah, well, they're going to throw the ball for 209 yards a game. We know that. So yeah. they're not going to win on the arm. So, you know, doing what you do well, better. But, I mean, that makes all the sense. They had it in their – to have the success they had this season with really – I mean, I don't want to say they didn't have a rushing attack, but, you know, Gus Edwards is what he is, and he did a very good job of that. But he's not a dynamic player. Dobbins got hurt. Mitchell got hurt. You know, they need something there because it seems like they're kind of just keeping pace, and if they could get something there – that would be very interesting on the offensive side. Knowing their history and luck, they will sign one of these guys. We'll get all pumped, and then training camp will get injured. And that's all the Raven. And then we're back to Keaton Mitchell. That, that we'll be back to that show for next season. Uh, Mike Evans, who's a free agent, said to be far apart in contract negotiations with Tampa. And this is something we should always remember when big contracts are signed, especially quarterbacks. Uh, sounds like the salary cap is going to jump about another $20 million. So, Ray, all, you know, all of a sudden, I'm not saying, hey, $40 million doesn't hurt. It does. But now we're getting up, you know, we're, we're jumping $20 million in the cap, whereas I guess QB rates are jumping about 5 to $10 million. So there, there is a little bit more of wiggle room for teams that want to invest in the QB like that. And I guess they want that number to be $400 million because they're playing around the world. The NFL mm. never stops. But, yeah, it's... It's not surprising we see the numbers grow because obviously that sport is a very healthy one. Guys. Yeah, making more money, uh, gambling stuff, sponsorships, TV ratings, all that stuff. And uh, you just kind of wonder where the next TV rights will go. I mean, probably well into the billions of dollars uh, over a number of years there. Uh, so that is where we stand. Uh, great stuff today. Like I said, we were packed. We expected to go overboard and, and we did by about 10 minutes. Uh, so tomorrow we're back at you. More on short stops. Uh, we'll hit on letdowns. Uh, got another uh, team preview. I think it's Cleveland tomorrow. The uh, Guardians are on the docket. Uh, we'll get you more news and notes, probably things coming out of spring camp. Babbitt, we'll talk about that. And uh, wherever else the sports world takes us. Uh, Ray, good stuff today. Good luck tonight in your labor draft. And uh, we'll visit tomorrow. Sounds like a plan, Kyle. Well, I'll have to recap that labor draft, too, tomorrow. Plan on that as well. Okay. Um, for Ray Flowers, I am Kyle Elfring. Big thanks to all of you in the chat room, wherever you uh, ingest us. Kind of weird way to say Consume, it. Consume, Kyle? Consume, ingest. Same thing. It's just yeah, a totally. weird way of saying it. Ingest <laughs> came to my mind a lot quicker than consume. Okay. Uh, but yes, ingest us or consume us, whatever you choose. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, YouTube, X, Facebook. People who download the podcast, great stuff. Back tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here, Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by the one and only FantasyGuru.com.